Welcome back to the Just End the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports star from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips, and I've got a good show for you this week. Our 25th episode, decided to bring back one of my favorite guests, Joe D'Aloisio, who's been here three times before, talking about the NFL and the World Cup. Last heard from him at the NFL midseason report. So I had to get him in here because week 14 was crazy. A lot of weird stuff in the NFL this week, a lot of big games. Joe's here to break it all down. Showing the money. Also back for week number 15. I had a good week in the picks last week. Went 2-1. and one. We'll be joined by a great guest to make some picks for this week. That's coming up later. Be sure you're locked into the end of the show for this week's two-minute drill. Where I break down the dilemma that Heisman Trophy winner Kyler Murray is facing about his future. And which of the two sports he excels at he should play going forward. All that's coming up after our opening tip. Where I'll give you some headlines to watch at the winter meetings right after this. Welcome back to this week's opening tip. The winter meetings are underway, and it's going to be a fun week of action and rumors for baseball fans. It's already been a very busy winter compared to last year, where they got held up by the Giancarlo Stanton and Shohei Otani sagas. This year, we were had a lot of stuff happen. At the big Robinson Cano trade with the Mets, broke that down last week. James Paxton trade, the Mariners ripping their whole team apart and selling off all the pieces across the league. Patrick Corbin signing with the Nationals, Nate Evaldi back to the Red Sox. But there's still a lot happening in the winter meetings this week. Num- number one thing to keep my eye on here. Where Bryce Harper and May Machado will go. Do I think either will sign by the end of the winter meetings? No, I don't. But it'll be interesting to see who they meet with. Machado likely to talk to the Phillies, likely to talk to the White Sox, who apparently want to make a big splash. Yankees are going to be in on him, but the interesting thing there does not sound like the Yankees want to go all the way for him. Apparently, they do not want to go to $300 million for him, which that would be fascinating because this is a guy who's linked to this team forever. And the fact that they don't want to go all the way on him is very interesting to watch. I want to see if that changes. Maybe they get a little gun shy if the Red Sox make another big move. We'll see. Bryce Harper, a little less clear. Phillies are in there too. The Dodgers might be in. The Nationals said they're out. I want to see that for sure, but they've said they're out. The owner came out last week and said that they are made their best offer. And whether or not that changes, we'll see. Those two big headliners, to see where they end up. That's going to be fun to watch. We're also going to see what the Mets are going to do for an encore. Brody Van Wagenen made his presence felt when he made that Cano trade, brought Cano and Edwin Diaz here signal that he wants to win right now. And they are thinking of being one of the movers and shakers of the winter meetings. They've been in discussions with the Miami Marlins for about a week now about JT Realmuto. Those have not gone anywhere yet because the Marlins are asking for the world and more. They want to apparently two of Brandon Nimmo, Michael Conforto, and Ahmed Rosario in a trade, which is never going to happen for the Mets. They might move one, but they're not going to move both of them. That's one option. They can also look at the other free agent catchers out there. Martin Maldonado, Yasmani Grandal, Jonathan Lucroy, Wilson Ramos. They have a lot of options to fill that catcher's role. Bullpen, also on their agenda. They have Andrew Miller on the, on their life's wish list. They could talk to Zach Britton. They could talk to David Robertson, Adam Adovino, Adam Warren. There's a lot of names linked to the Met bullpen. I think, at minimum, they walk out of Las Vegas with a reliever. Whether that's Andrew Miller remains to be seen, although that's the favorite right now. I think they love him. I think they really want to get him. They'll have to probably go to three years to make sure they get him. But if Brody's shown nothing else, he's going to be aggressive. That's the that's one thing. 
Also, they got to look for a bat for the outfield. They've been linked a lot to A.J. Pollock, the center fielder from the Diamondbacks. Not a free agent. He's a good fit for them. He's right-handed. You can play center field, play good defense there. But the injury history, very, very, very scary. The fact this dude has not played like a full season. He's played full season only once in the past like four or five years. And on a Met team where injuries are the basically part of the culture there, I don't know if I want him. I also don't know if I want him for four years because you already have a logjam on your team with the, in the outfield because you have Conforto there for four or five years. Nimmo's locked out for four or five years like in terms of team control. Cespedes coming back after the All-Star break, hopefully. And that's going to be a tricky equation to juggle if you have Pollock there commanded, commanded for four years. Now, could they go for a shorter-term solution? Could they sign a guy like Andrew McCutcheon to a two-year contract? Maybe. Could they try and trade for Yasiel Puig? Maybe. Is there a guy out there that we haven't heard about yet linked to the Mets that could happen? Absolutely. We had no idea the Mets were around Robinson Cano until it, about a couple of days before it happened. They're going to be fun to watch. Yankees, where they go from here will be interesting. Missed out on Corbin last week. That was very disappointing for them because they did not want to go that six year or the $140 million mark, which I respect because I don't think he's worth it. Based on his track record alone, it's the equivalent of paying Zach Wheeler that money. Even the most optimistic Mets fans would not give Zach Wheeler six years $140 million. Patrick Corbin, because he's lefty, got that money. We'll see what happens there. And, of course, they're going to look for the bullpen help. They have needs out there. They want to bring back Britain. They want to bring back Robertson. They could be in on Miller and out of Eno like the Mets are. So there's a lot of overlap there. There's also a question of what they're going to do to fill that hole on their infield that they have while DD's out at shortstop. They could bring in a guy. They could bring in a second baseman like a Daniel Murphy, DJ LeMayhew on a shorter-term deal. They could also go big game hunting, get Machado. Again, I don't think that's likely, but I think they will make a move too. I don't think they're coming out of Las Vegas empty-handed. There's also a lot of big names on the trade block. We talked about Real Muto. We talked about Pui. Also some starters here. This is where the Yankees could also factor in here. They could be trying to trade for a guy like Madison Bumgarner from the Giants, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer from the Indians. A lot of big names on the block right now. And I think it's very fascinating to see where the Yankees end up with this. I feel like they could end up with a Cleveland starter. Possibly Trevor Bauer who's a better fit for them short term. We'll see how that goes. Another question. The relief market. What's happened to all these guys? I mentioned a bunch of them. Haven't even touched on Craig Kimbrell, the top guy out there who wants six years. I don't think he's gonna get six years. Is somebody to give it to him? Maybe. We'll find out. But either way, there's gonna be a lot of fun in the winter meetings this week. I'll make sure you're refreshing your Twitters. Follow a friend of the podcast, Dan Federico, who has broken a lot of news over the uh, past couple of weeks. He was in on Patrick Corbin before anybody else was, by the way. He had him down to the Yankees Nationals the day before he signed. So Keep an eye on Mr. Federico's account. He's at Dan J. Federico. Keep an eye on all the national writers, of course. Your Ken Rosenthal's, your Tom Verducci's, your John Heyman's, all those guys. Make sure you're locked in all that. Keep an eye on MLB Network. Keep an eye on your local channels. Your SNY's Mets hot stove every night. It's a lot of fun. Yes, I'm sure it's similar programming for the Yankees. Could be a very exciting week. I cannot wait to follow this and see what's going on with the hot stove. And hopefully, I have some stuff to break down from it next week. Up next, we're going to talk some NFL football with Joe D'Aloisio right after this. One seconds left. Tannehill will throw it. And this will end it after the shovel. Or will it? Miami running around, circling. Oh, look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, 
Kenyon Drake a miracle. Miraculous in Miami. All right, and we're back. You just heard the Miami miracle. The Dolphins stunned the Patriots yesterday. The call courtesy of CBS's Ian Eagle. Part of a very wacky and wild week 14 in the NFL. Sorry, there was too much going on, so I needed to get somebody in here to talk to me about it. Joining me again today, we heard from him last midseason for our midseason NFL wrap-up. Joe D'Alessio from Fanside back with us today. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me, as always. Not a problem. There was just too much going on. This this whole season, there's so much happening. I'm so excited just watching football again. Yeah, I mean, it's been overall a great season. You've seen a lot of top-heavy teams, but what you've also seen is a lot of those, me- not mediocre teams, but good teams that play really well one week, one week and then struggle the following week, and I think that just speaks of the parity of the league. I mean, just look at yesterday. The Raiders won, the 49ers won, the Jets won. I mean, a lot of the bad teams all picked up big wins yesterday. The Giants won, the Packers won. You could throw them all in the same conversation. Yeah. At the same time, you could say that that the Patriots lost, the Falcons lost, the Panthers lost, the Steelers, the Steelers. I mean, it goes on. The Rams. Yeah. It, it, it's been it's been a great season, and this past weekend was so exciting. It was so exciting, but we have to start in Miami with the miracle. What people are calling now the Miami miracle with the unbelievable hook and ladder play that the Dolphins pulled off up to the Patriots. And once again, Tom Brady goes to Miami. They cannot get a win. The miracle in Miami. Yeah. Okay. Is this the first time you heard that saying or that phrase used in a game played in Miami? To me, yes. To you, yes. So, Boomer Esiason did a piece on CBS on the pregame show with Frank Reich, who used to be, I believe, his roommate at Maryland. And when uh, he was quarterback, Frank, who is now the head coach of the Colts, right? When he was quarterback, he led his Maryland team over Miami in what was originally called the Miami Miracle. Yeah. Interesting nugget. Check it out. They were getting slaughtered. Huge second half comeback and ended up beating the, I believe they, at the time, they were the defending national champs. Check that out. Yeah. Really good stuff. But a nugget for you with that Tom Brady. When Tom Brady starts in December, Brady is 25-2 and two on the road in December. Anywhere but Miami. Yeah. He now falls to 1-6 after Sunday's loss. Yeah, it's, it's insane because they just lord about the vision. But going to Miami, just for some reason they just pump, turn to pumpkins there. They just have so many issues winning in Miami. It's something about Miami. Um, I've heard it from former players like Bart Scott say when you go to a place like Miami, uh, that atmosphere, that club life, um, the the warm weather. It's easy for players to get distracted. I'm not saying, but maybe the Patriots are a little too distracted when they head head to South Beach. Yeah, they might be a little distracted. Bill Belichick might have been distracted. I mean, what was he doing putting Gronk back there as the safety in that play? The guy, he could barely move. We saw that at the end of the play. When he, I he, have mm-hmm. no idea what Belichick was thinking, but this is like the first time that you've really seen him make a mistake like this, and you're like, what is he thinking? Like, when is the last time you ever said, what is Belichick thinking? You know, like, that's a phrase that we never say. But here we are at the end of the game, crucial, and you have Gronk, Pretty much being the last man in defense, 
when he shouldn't even be out there because the only reason why he should be out there is if Tannehill was going to try to throw in Hail Mary and he wasn't chucking the ball 70 yards. No. So it was just so confusing as to why he was even out there. So he shouldn't have been out there. And it was, you know, the Patriots overall, they just, they've just been such a different team away from home that that is a huge loss when it comes to playoff implication because if they don't get home field, I don't know if they're going to go as far as we think they may go. Yeah, and for all the time about the Chiefs in the playoffs, they got to go to Arrowhead at this point and get, if they get that far. So that's going to be a tough spot for them. Without a doubt, and there's no way you could tell me that you're confident with this team going on the road, regardless of Brady and Belichick. I believe they're perfect at home, but 3-4 and four on the road? I mean, that's concerning. They're a completely different team on the road. I think I don't think you need to panic yet because they're the Patriots, but something, the usual Patriots, it's not there right now. Yeah, real quick on the Dolphins. Do you think that they, I mean, now they're 7-6, and six, now they're right in the thick of the wild card hunt. Do you think they can get in this year? The AFC is a little jumble at the bottom. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this Dolphins team because I feel like for every really good win— follows a few bad losses. I mean, I know there's only three games left, but I don't I'm not uber confident in Ryan Tannehill and his ability to lead this team into the postseason. Yeah, I and mean, they got a trip to Minnesota this week. They got a trip to Buffalo at the end of the season. Those are never easy, so I could definitely see Miami falling out of this. Without a doubt. And I think there's other teams in the AFC that are definitely gonna be battling for that wild card position. Yeah, one of those teams that's battling for wildcard position right now, the Baltimore Ravens. They put up a good fight in Arrowhead yesterday, lost in overtime. How long do you think they can keep this going with this run with just the defense and just basically a, a Tim Tebow Denver offense who's running the football all the time? Lamar Jackson doesn't throw. I, I think Lamar Jackson is a little bit more talented than Tim Tebow. Um, I agree there. I, I think he could do a little bit more when he has some time. He's been very inconsistent throwing the ball. But, I mean, he's making plays with his legs. And as long as he's making plays and the defense is playing as stout as they have been playing, this could potentially be a dangerous team. I mean, I'm not comparing this defense to the to the, to the same Ravens defense that won a Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Against the New York Giants. But that defense was amazing, led by an offense and a quarterback in Trent Dilfer. I don't think Lamar Jackson is that bad. But in order to, for this team to make some type of a run, first of all, secure a playoff spot and get into and and have a deep run, he's got to be more consistent. Uh, he's got to be more consistent. He has to throw the be- the ball better. He has to be a little bit more accurate, and he can't rely on his legs as much. Yeah, for sure. And right now, they're the favorite to get that second wild card spot. They might even get the division, to be honest with you, the way the Steelers are falling apart oh, well, right now. Well, yeah, with the mm-hmm. way the Steelers are playing, there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, that's definitely up in the, uh, up in the air, and... The Steelers, it doesn't get much easier for these last three games going against the Pats on the road against the Saints and a Bengals team, which looks te- which is terrible. But still, they've the, the Steelers have lost three in a row. That could easily extend to five games, and now you may be looking for a wild card position rather than a you know a uh, divisional title, or they could be out entirely. Exactly. I mean that is that is a distinct possibility as well. Yeah, I mean, they could easily have four losses in a row if they don't have that penalty at the end of the Jacksonville game that wiped out the game-ending pick. So do you think if they lose this playoff spot, they've seen they fall out entirely, lose these two games, do you think Tomlin's out of a job? I think it's time to really—I don't think he is. I don't think he is, but I guarantee you he'll be on the hot seat. I think then going into next season, it's going to be you gotta you got to pick it up. Otherwise, there's going to be issues. Now, it could be— 
or you're going to be out of a job, excuse me. He may have saved himself just because of everything that he has dealt with with the whole Le'Veon Bell and still, you know, I'm not saying he made James Conner the running back that he is, but the fact that they didn't miss that much of a beat when he was on the field in, in you know, replacing Bell, I think that has, that that shows a lot. So I don't think he will be out of a job, but I think going into the following season, he'll be heavily scrutinized every single game. If he does shake off for some reason, I will say, as a Jet fan, I would drive to Pittsburgh right now, pick him up, and bring him back here to coach my football team. I think that would be a great choice. Yeah. I mean, out of all the people that are that are available or who may become available, I think Mike Tomlin definitely would be atop that, atop that list. Yeah, and speaking of the Jets, we'll get to them really quickly. I know the game against Buffalo did not mean much. They did pick up a win yesterday. How much of it did you, did you see Sam Darnold in the second half? How impressive was he? You know what? Even though it doesn't mean anything, it's important to see what Sam Darnold did in that second half. It's important to see that he's, you know, he has his rookie moments. That's fine. But you also always have to remember the cast of characters that he's surrounded by. And the coaching. You know, exactly. And yeah. the coaching, which is even a bigger issue than, than you know, his his skill players that are around him. Um Darnold made some plays in that second half that we see veterans make. Darnold made some second, some plays in that second half that we haven't seen him make in a long time this season. Um, I think it's important for him to, to do that and to show that ability heading into next season. Now, as a Jet fan, you have to be torn because it's like, do I want to lose out and do I want to, you know, have a higher draft pick or do I want to win and go into the offseason with some pride and see that Darnold's doing well? I think as a fan, if I was a Jet fan, um, I'm a little annoyed that I'm winning, but at the same time, I need to see Darnold taking that net, next step because that's the most important piece of this puzzle. Oh, yeah. For me as a Jet fan, like I would rather see Darnold play well and win the games than like, have them do what they did in the past. Like, if they'd, let's say they'd stolen one of Josh McCown. And, like, that would not help me much. But Darnold going down, making some of these big throws, like the throw on the sideline of Robbie Anderson yesterday, that play where he had the ridiculous spin out where he was like, basically corner for a sack, ran around for about 15 yards, and found Anderson in the end zone. Stuff like that is very impressive to see. Yeah, it's got to be impressive, and that's the stuff you want to see from the guy who's who's already being called your, your franchise quarterback and who you hope is your franchise quarterback. Um, I think if he went into next season with more downs and ups, it'd be a lot more concerning. But you, you got to like what you see from from Darnold and hope hope that that continues throughout the rest of the year. Yeah, let's go to the other team in town, the Giants. Again, very impressive yesterday. They absolutely stampeded the Redskins. Looked like they had no interest in playing that football game after a bit. Mark Sanchez was Sanchez. He was just abysmal. And the Giants, they've been a hell of a better team since Dubai. 4-1, and one, I think. I can't believe we're actually talking of uh, following a uh, a football Sunday that the both Giants and Jets are in the win column. It's been yeah. a long time. Yeah, I want to say, has it even happened this season yet? <laughs> Before this oh, year, the top of my head, I honestly don't know. I don't. Think They've so. been so bad that even if it has happened, it's just been like whatever at this point. But I don't think they have. Yeah, this thing is the first time, and I know giant. Some giant fans are actually saying, getting some both days to say, you know, well, like maybe we get in, we get hot eight and eight, win out, maybe they get the wild cards. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Pump the brakes. Um, is the possibility there? Yep, I, there is a possibility there. I actually played out yesterday on the playoff machine on ESPN.com, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I have written down exactly what needs to happen for the Giants to make the playoffs. Let me hear it. Obviously, they have to win out because they cannot lose another game. If they lose, they're out. The Eagles have to lose two of the next three games, which is plausible because they play their next two against or in L.A. and home against the Texans. Could happen. Okay. 
then Minnesota, we're recording on Monday before the Monday night game against Seattle. They have to lose three of their last four. So basically, Seattle, they have to lose to the Bears, and you're hoping they drop one of either Miami or I forget what the other game is, but one of the, they lose three of those games. Maybe. Uh, Green Bay has to lose once. Maybe. So they played the Bears, the, the Jets. I expect them to be, win that game, but they played Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, you're talking about the Giants still being in playoff contention. The Green Bay Packers are right there as well. Yeah, there's a lot of teams there. The NFC's fall, sort of falling apart. Continue the Giants scenario. Carolina has to lose twice because Graham Cano's 63 yards is proving to be the kryptonite of the Giants season right now. But they do play New Orleans twice in the last three weeks, and New Orleans is playing for home field. Which you would like to think that New Orleans is going to come out heavy. Yeah, you would think they're going to come out and just say, you know what, we can crush these guys and just win and get the home field. But and the way the Panthers have been playing, I mean... We'll get to them. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. a possibility. And the last one is the Redskins have to lose twice, which with Mark Sanchez as a quarterback, it's definitely possible. It doesn't matter who's that quarterback at this point. So you're telling me there's a chance. There is a chance. There is a chance, but I don't think it's going to happen. Um, it'd be a great story. It'd be a hell of a story. It'd be a hell of a turnaround. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, you look at their last three, Titans, Colts, Cowboys, right? Yeah. That divisional game, anything could happen. They play the Titans. You don't know what you're going to get out of this Titans team. Uh, this is the same team that that beat the Patriots and then dropped some bad games. And now, you, and then you have a Colts team that just ended Houston's win streak and has been hot and cold too and pretty explosive. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a good sign though for next year. For next year, and that things are starting to kind of move in the right direction. I'll tell you one thing that we learned about that big victory against the Redskins, Kyle Lettis stinks. <laughs> he was so bad. He, came in he was very bad. And for all those Giant fans that were hoping to see Kyle Lettis, let's see what the kids got. Let's see what the kids got. And, and I have no problem admitting, like, yeah, you probably should see what Lettis has in him. Man, you were very disappointed after watching that. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see him again until they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. No, no, there's no chance. There's no reason for him to be on the field unless they put up another 40 spot and they're just destroying their opponent. But, yeah, the Giants, no matter what, the Giants need a quarterback. They need to find the next guy. Yeah, you think think Eli's coming back next year? Because he's played pretty well down the last couple weeks. Uh, Listen, if they somehow get in the playoffs, let's say they just win out. Get to 500. I think they, I think they're bringing him back, and I think he's starting. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Yeah, I think you can bring him back, but I think you have to draft someone. I, I mean, and maybe you have to trade up to get that guy. If Herbert Morgan comes out, maybe one of the other kids, in the, like uh, Dwayne Haskins, or who knows, maybe Kyler Murray decides he wants to commit the football. That's a whole other discussion. But like, maybe if you find one of these guys you like, go get him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they're gonna pony up that much if they were to end up at five hundred to end up drafting one of these top guys that'll probably go in the top ten, just because. It's not not that this is, a, this is you know the end all mean all, but this quarterback class isn't nearly as talented as last year's. Yeah. So are you going to risk so much for so, something that is uncertain? I mean, listen, all draft picks are uncertain, but it just doesn't seem like this class specifically is that is as talented. So I think they should also consider maybe some type of stopgap backup quarterback in free agency as well. Um, and then also bringing in and drafting in another guy. Yeah, that's something. Maybe they sit out in this class and wait, hope they get in a position to draft Tua in 2020. That's a whole other discussion. Let's go on to the Panthers we just brought up. 
The collapse continues. They now lost five in a row. We did not talk about Ron Rivera as a coach on the hot seat. Mid- we did our midseason report because they were 6-2 and two at that point. Now do you think he's in trouble? I think they were rolling at that point. I yeah. mean, I, I wouldn't have been I would have been surprised if you told me that they'd be playing this poorly at that after that midseason report. Um yeah, Ron Rivera is definitely on that hot seat. I think it's the same thing Ron Rivera and Mike Tomlin, they're kind of in that same category. Um if they come back, I'm not I won't be sho- shocked if they get let go. I won't be shocked either. You know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. if they end the season missing the postseason and only winning you know, one out of their last six or one or one out of their last five, whatever that may be. What I'm most surprised about in Carolina, uh, the good Christian McCaffrey stud. Yeah. You you gotta like what you're seeing, the versatility, uh, his ability to do it both in the pass game and the run game, I think that's been uh, a huge boost for Carolina. But Cam Newton. What happened? I don't know what to say. I don't know what's going on. I know he entered this week's game on Sunday with a shoulder injury. Something isn't right with Cam Newton. Um, He's missing easy throws. He makes makes hard throws. He's missing easy ones. He's all over the place. The inconsistency. There's reason to be somewhat concerned in Carolina. Yeah, there definitely is reason to be concerned in Carolina. There is no longer reason to be concerned in Dallas. The Cowboys... Are going back to the playoffs, even though they haven't clinched yet. They buried the division yesterday by sweeping the Eagles. I mean, we were sitting here in midseason talking about how Jason Garrett should be fired, and the Cowboys wasted a draft pick on Amari Cooper, and now they made us look like idiots. I will be the first one to admit that I thought the Dallas Cowboys were wasting a draft pick on Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper did not show anything. Like what he's doing now. Like what he's doing now. And I don't know if that's an Amari Cooper thing or just how what a disaster everything is in Oakland yeah or a combination of the both uh, of the two maybe he wanted to get out so bad that he just played so poorly but I have never seen Amari Cooper play as well as he has the last few weeks and, and that says a lot about that about him and and he said he's talented there's no doubt about it he's clearly the number one guy and Dak was looking for that number one guy that reliable target now they have one now they have one they have a great running game, obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott. The main concern there for me is that offensive line and their health. They keep getting knocked around. They, they're, they're injured. They're not healthy right now. And the penalties. My goodness. I don't know if you watched that entire game. Every other play, there was a flag. I know. I'm not saying the, the officiating was good because there were some very questionable calls in that game. But both those teams, undisciplinary. They need to be. They need to learn some discipline. And Jason Garrett's got to look these guys in the face this week and say, "Hey, we got to cut that out. Otherwise, that's going to hurt us down the stretch." Yeah, and they're won five in a row. They are red hot. They have beaten some good teams along the way too. They beat. They buried the Eagles twice in that stretch. They beat the. They beat the Saints at home, which was an incredible accomplishment. And they took care of. And they took care of business on Thanksgiving against the Redskins. So kudos, kudos to that defense because they're young, they're yeah. fast, and they're, they're they're getting a lot of stops and playing really good football. The, you know, when it comes to Dallas, though, it's going to come down to Dak Prescott. Yeah. Honestly, it's going to come down to Dak Prescott and can he make those plays. Last week against the Eagles on Sunday, he made those plays. But he's got to do that on a consistent basis. Yeah, they're, they're probably locked in that four or five game. Seattle probably coming in there on the wild card weekend. Do you think they have a, their defense is going to be able to do enough to get them on a run in the NFC? I think so. Yeah, I think so, especially since we've seen a good team like New Orleans come in there and them, and they completely shut them down. I think that's a distinct possibility. Dallas's recipes to success: control the clock, 
and win the turnover battle. I think you could say that's any team's recipe for success, but they have two. They have two of those factors that other teams don't. They have that really good run game with Zeke, and that defense is just really, really good. And they're young, man. They're going to be yeah. around. That's a young defense, and and that's the type of, of of thing that could make you have a run in the postseason. Yeah, for sure. And we saw the. And there's been a lot of debate over the last few weeks about who the best defense in the league is. I think we got answered last night with the Bears. What the Bears did to that Ram offense was unbelievable. Let me give you some numbers from that game. The Rams were held to 214 yards of offense, scored six points. The Bears picked off Jared Goff four times, sacked him three, and recorded a safety. That is as dominant defensive showing against that team as anybody's put up all year. Uh, I can't believe how good this defense is. And... There's no way this defense would be as good as as they are right now if they don't add Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack's presence alone on the field makes this defense so much better. And this defense was good. They were good. They were trending in the right direction. But Mack elevates them to a whole new level. Now, if only they could get a little bit more out of Mitch Trubisky on the offensive side, then this is a team that's very dangerous. Because who wants to go... And play a game in Chicago in December. I mean, it's equivalent to going into Green Bay. It's it's cold. It, it's it's just hot. Everything about it is the weather, Physic, the physicality of the team. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to go in Chicago in the postseason. Now, their their the their kryptonite though right now is their offense and and Mitch Trubisky. I don't think he's anything, you know, too special. If he could if he could start playing at a higher level, if he could elevate his game, I think this is a team that could really do damage. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch the NFC playoffs. Joe, we'll check back in with you again before the playoffs. Before you go, do you want to let everybody know your social media again, people have to follow you? Of course, of course. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, you could follow me at Joe, double underscore. Do That's, not forget the double. Do not forget the double, otherwise you won't find me. Double underscore and then my last name, D-A-L-O-I-S-I-L. All right, there you have it, Joe Dalizio. Thanks again for the time. Mike, always a pleasure. Anytime, buddy. No problem. That was breaking down week 14. Up next, show me the money, NFL picks. Week 15 is here. Coming up right after this. Show me the money. All right, and we're back. Show me the money. NFL picks week number 15. Down the stretch we come. Joining me today, a new voice of the podcast. He's a contributor for Fansided, writes for Still Nation blog. Alex Fasano is here with me today. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Obviously, as most people have figured out by the blog you contribute for, I'm guessing you're a Steelers fan. I am a huge diehard Steelers fan. How did you become a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? I became a Pittsburgh Steelers fan uh, growing up. Uh, my dad, when he grew up, he, he was born uh 67. So he grew up in the 70s loving Terry Bradshaw and the Steel Curtain, iconic defenses and, uh, you know, Lynn Swan and all those big players. His favorite was Jack Lambert. So it was either a Steelers fan, a Raiders fan, or a Cowboys fan, and he stuck with the Steelers. And then eventually when, when I was born and started getting into football, he just passed it on to me, and I've been a diehard Steelers fan ever since. Very nice. Now, never tempted to pick root for one of the locals? No, nah, actually, I despise both local teams. 
I, I love it whenever the, the Steelers and Jets go at it, and, and same for the Giants and Steelers. It's always nice to uh, to have a little back talk with everybody back home about this too, which is cool. Plus, you ever got the MetLife and see them there? You know, you're there about like twenty five thousand Steelers fans. Oh yeah, no, Steelers fans are some of the best fans in the nation. They, uh, uh, you know, as you saw last night, they they took over uh, Oakland. Uh, it was a big portion of Steelers fans over in the black hole. So it's always nice to see Steelers fans show up whenever they're needed. Yeah, obviously they lost that game to the Raiders yesterday. I was not fully locked in. I had the red zone channel. I was sort of bouncing back and forth between these games. I'm assuming you watched the whole thing. Can you tell me exactly what was the biggest problem for them in that game? Well, let me tell you. I mean, for three straight weeks I've been suffering uh, a suffering Steelers fan. So, um, it, it, you know, I really didn't expect anything different. It, it's kind of a mixture of little things. You know, some people will say it's coaching. Some people will say it's the players and the locker room and the mindset ever since the Le'Veon Bell drama. Honestly, it, it, it's kind of everything. A little bit of defense, too. Um, they added Terrell Edmonds in the draft this year. Uh, he, he was a secondary player from Virginia Tech. He's, he's made a little bit of an impact, but he hasn't been the player. Their defense has been slacking ever since Ryan Shazier had that dramatic injury against Cincinnati. Um, you know, it all prayers up to him, Shea Leave, all that. We love seeing him in his workouts. But the defense for the Steelers, some, you know, it's been a little better over the last couple of weeks, but it's still never good enough to, to pull themselves out of these games. The offense puts them in situations to win, and, and it's these ridiculous plays, whether it's Chris Boswell slipping on a field goal. I'm watching the replay right now. Uh, which is still tough to watch, or, or, or referees, you know, calling missing calls on punt returns and whatnot. It's a mixture of coaching and, and, and the defense that has been lacking ever since they won their Super Bowl 10 years ago. Yeah, it's crazy because this team, think back, after they beat up the Panthers on Thursday night, they looked like they were on top of the league. They were like 5-2, and 6-2 and two at that point. Since then, they've lost three in a row and could easily have lost the four if the Jaguars didn't commit a penalty in the end zone on, a, uh, on that game-ending pick play. Yeah, and, you know, that, thinking back on that game, that was all Big Ben. Uh, he, you know, he, he, you see him limping every other game, and he, he loves playing the hero. Um, so him and Jacksonville taking it in on the one-yard line, forcing it in there, getting the, the come-from-behind victory, that was something really cool. But I, I knew after seeing that game there was something different about this team, and then we saw it in Denver. They weren't able to finish. It's, it's games like those. The, the Steelers have never been a good team over the last recent years to – to play well against bad opponents. They always play down to bad opponents. And you, say, you look at these games like Raiders, like the Broncos. Oh, these are games Steelers should definitely win. But they never travel well. It, it, you know, the West Coast, they, they're so tough playing on, on the West Coast. They haven't won in Oakland. Ben is actually now 0-4 in Oakland. They haven't won in Oakland since 1995, the year I was born. So it's always tough to see the Steelers play the West Coast games. They deal with the time difference and traveling a lot. So... It's so difficult to watch your team that's supposed to beating, you know, this is a game they should have won. This is a game they should have won. They've got a tough schedule leading up against New England this week. they got the six coming up. This is a game that they should have taken to solidify their place in the north. But now the division is up for grabs. The wild card is up for grabs. Yeah, I was talking to Joe Dalizzi, our friend earlier today, about the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers situation. And I'll ask him you the same question I asked him. If for some reason they fall out of the playoffs completely and miss the, the, the playoffs by like losing two of these games, do you think Tomlin is out of his job? Uh, I don't. I don't want to say, you know, that's true. But I will say this: I think he's on the hot seat. Um, I think you go into if if they miss the playoffs this year, they don't win the division. I think you go into the offseason and say, look, Ben, you're in your fifteenth year, sixteenth year, like. 
I don't know how many years you're looking to play, but this is the situation. Mike Tomlin, listen up to both of you are on the hot seat. I think you tell them both. Listen, you got this year. Then show us you can still play, and he does. I mean, he's the sec- he's he's second in the league in passing yards this year, right behind Pat Mahomes. He still can play, but the leadership has been questioned in time. We see him call out James Washington. I personally believe it's a good move. I like to see him motivate his players. But you know, some people will disagree and say leadership methods are different. I think you go to Tomlin and Ben Roethlisberger. This is your year, Tomlin. You had 12 years with us. This is your number 13. Both of you have to prove to us that you are vital to this team and can win a Super Bowl. I, that was my argument with Le'Veon Bell, too, and that's a whole other story. I, I don't think he proved his vitalness to help them win the championship. They never got past the championship. You go into next season, you tell Ben and Tomlin, hey, guys, show us that you can still command this team. Show us that you know we're, we're going to invest in you again. Ben, maybe not because you know he's on the tail end of his career, but Tomlin, I think if he can show up next year and say, I can control this locker room and I can still prove this team has the championship mentality – Maybe you give him a couple more years. But definitely, I think you put them both on the hot seat. Yeah, this week there's a big game for them. The Patriots coming in. The Patriots have been vulnerable on the road this year. They, that weird loss to Miami, I said, a Miami miracle. What do you think is the biggest key for the Steelers to win this game? I mean, that was so crazy. I was flipping out watching that Miami miracle. Oh, my goodness. I love anyone. I'm sure a lot of people will agree to me, and you, of course, too. I know you're a big Jets fan. Uh, any Anytime you see Tom Brady and the Patriots lose and squirm like that, it's a, it's a sight to see. So <laughs> that's definitely really cool. But the biggest key, I think, you know, and looking back at these past three games, Steelers failed to win. And, and, and my dad is one of the biggest inputs and in Steelers influences on my life, and he says it every week. What the, the key to win these games is has to, as a defense, take out the key factor to these teams. With San Diego, it was Keenan Allen. They had a linebacker covering, so that didn't work. With the Denver Broncos, it was Emmanuel Sanders. Same situation. They had linebackers covering him in the second. With Oakland, we saw it with Jared Cook. He's been a, and he's a tight end, and he's still dominating. This was a second back-to-back week with, with over 100 yards receiving. They failed to take Jared Cook out of the game. I mean, Morgan Burnett, one of their linebackers, was still in coverage on Jared Cook. It is unbelievable. They failed to take out the key factors. Now, when you look at New England, which is the key factor? Is it, is it Gronk? Is it Tom Brady? Is it James White? Um, obviously, you know, Gronk had a great game last uh, against the Dolphins, um, but you saw he, he's hurt, and, and he's struggling to be on that field. So in this case, I think the key factor is Tom Brady, and the defense for the Steelers eliminate the key factor. You have to take their biggest player out of the game, which is Tom Brady. So that's going to involve getting to, the, getting to him. you gotta, you got to send the edge rush, bunch of free. You really got to get to the quarterback. Tom Brady is known to extend plays and make make things happen. We got to get him down as quick as possible, and that's going to be the key to saving this season for the Steelers. Absolutely, yeah. Fun game on Sunday, four twenty-five CBS. Before we let's go on to the picks for this week. Our buddy Matt Rumack was here last week doing picks, and he did not have a very good week. No, he didn't. Yeah, that's too bad. Yep. 0-3 for Rumack. He took the Texans laying 4.5 against the Colts. They lost that game outright. Took the Chiefs laying 6.5 at home against the Ravens. They need overtime to win that game. Took the Falcons plus 5.5 in Green Bay, and the Falcons didn't even show up for that game. So on the year, Teen Challengers now 20-20-2. I had a better week. I went 2-1 and one on the week. I won with the Giants laying 3.5. That game was, over, was 34 nothing at halftime. I won with the Saints laying 8 in Tampa Bay. And won that game. It was a little shaky early on, but they won that game by two touchdowns. 
A loss on the Cardinals, plus two and a half in, at home against Detroit. I thought they played better than they did on the year. I'm now 23 and 19. So, up, Alex, up to you. Try and bring the challengers back into this. Uh, that's, that's, that's a tall order. I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So, you are up right now with the pick. So, you can get started. Give me your first pick. Where are you going? All right. First pick, I'm going to go, uh, unfortunately, for your New York JETS. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going Houston. I'm going to lay the points. I think right now they're at six and a half. Houston, they're the number three ranked rush offense and the number five ranked rush defense. Uh, right now, uh, and I'm going to, this is just a foresight for all my picks. I'm going to focus a lot on playoff mentality, and this is one of them. Houston coming off a tough loss to Indianapolis uh, and Andrew Luck, ending their nine game win streak. So right now, I see Houston fighting. They, 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 they see the Colts right behind them, as well as the Titans. They know they have to win this game to maintain the dominance over the South. Um, they're playing for the postseason berth, and we saw Sean Watson still go for over total three yards in the loss to Indy. Um, and he's playing a Jets team. Yeah, they're at home, but they snuck away with a win over the Buffalo Bills. Um, so they're really not saying much for this Jets team. Robbie Anderson did go off, but they're 23rd in total yards per game uh, allowed defense-wise. Uh, they also allow 132 rushing yards per game. So this is going to be a game I'm going to see Lamar Miller try to utilize. Um, and Deshaun Watson going to use his legs, I think, a lot in this in this matchup. Uh, so I'm going to lay the points. Houston, I think, six and a half is going to win uh, big in New York. Yeah, I agree with that pick. Another thing you brought up, the Deshaun Watson mobility factor. The Jets cannot stop mobile quarterbacks all year long. Second, they have a huge game on the ground. All right, and where are you going with your second pick of the week? All right, second I'm going to go. Um, the Buccaneers are going to Baltimore to play the Ravens. Uh, it kills me to do this, but I think I'm going to uh, say the Ravens are going to win, but they're not going to be my bet. I think I'm going to uh, take the points with the Bucks because I think the Ravens are favored seven and a half. I'm looking at on ESPN. Um, I think the Bucks keep it close. I mean, we saw them blow a game against New Orleans that they clearly had. Drew Brees, I think, gave me 13 total fantasy points. They they, they clearly had that game um, against New Orleans. The Bucks have. A tough offense, though, for this number one ranked top three defense in Baltimore. It's going to be a tough matchup because the Bucks are number one in passing yards, the number two total uh, yards per game. They have Mike Evans, who's over 1,200 yards on the season. But again, back to the playoff mentality, the Ravens are playing for their postseason lives. Right now, as it stands, they claim the sixth seed. They own that wild card. Um, but Baltimore, you know, they're, like I said it before, they're a top three defense. Uh, I think it's going to be close, but I give the edge to the Ravens because I think they got a little better rush attack. Uh, they're the number four rushing offense. Um, you know, you got Gus Bus. I'm calling him Gus Bus because <laughs> fan. There's only one the Bus. It's Jerome Bettis. So if anybody for the future is hearing this, Gus Edwards, his name is Gus Bus, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but back to the picks. Uh, I'm going to take the uh, the points with the Bucks. I think it's going to be close, but the Ravens end up winning this one outright. I like that pick as well. Tampa's been playing very well the last few weeks. They've been in every game. I can see that happening again. Where are you going with your final pick of the week? And final pick, uh, I'm going to go back to New York. I'm going to the Titans uh, in New York playing the Giants. Uh, the Giants, I think, are their three-point favorite. I'm going to take the points with Tennessee. Uh, I think the Titans went out right again. Back to that playoff mentality. They're fighting just like the, tit uh, the Titans, just like the Colts and the Ravens. Um, they're all of them are seven and six. There's a crazy uh, battle going on for this AFC wild card. 
and the Titans see this as an opportunity. They see it as a game that they can win. Yes, the Giants just dropped 40 points on, on the Redskins, but that was Mark Sanchez, and, and the Giants are just trying to have some fun right now at this point. Um, but the Titans, the Titans are 19th in uh, points per game. The Giants are 16th. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be a shootout. Tennessee's got the number fifth pass defense. So the question is, will OBJ be healthy enough to play with his new haircut? I, I, I think I first like haircut, but uh, I think he, if he plays, he might have a factor in there. Um, but again, I, I, at the end of the day, the all-star with the Giants is the beast of a running back, Saquon Barkley. Um, he had 170 rushing yards uh, against the Skins. So I think it comes down to a running game battle. Derrick Henry, we saw him put a franchise record up against the Jaguars. Uh, it could come down to a battle of the running backs. Derrick Henry and Saquon Barkley, I think, are going to go at it. But I think the Titans win outright. So I'm going to take the points with Tennessee. All right, your picks are on the board. Let's go to mine. Pick number one, I am going to the Buffalo Bills. This game is a pick at home against the Detroit Lions. I'm going to take Buffalo here. I don't think Detroit's very good. Now they're going on the road out to Buffalo, and Buffalo's defense is very, very good. They should have beaten the Jets yesterday. Darnold went them down the field for the win at the end there, but I like Buffalo here. I think just had to win the game outright. I think they're going to do that. I'll take the Bills as a pick in game number one. I like it. I think it's going to be really cool. And the Bills are trying to bounce back to show everybody that they're still relevant. And I love Josh Allen. I think he is such a great uh, franchise player for this team. And it's great because the Bills have had a stout defense, you know, constantly. And it's nice to see them finally get a, st- a stable quarterback under center in Josh Allen. Hopefully, you know, he, he, he can use his legs. But, you know, hopefully nothing, nothing weary comes out of it. Because running mobile quarterbacks, they're always at a risk. But I love Josh Allen, and I like that pick a lot. All right, that's pick number one. Pick number two, I'm going head-to-head with you on one of yours. I'm taking the Giants, laying the three points at home against the Titans. Giants have played very well of late. They've won four out of five coming out of their bye week. Their line's playing a lot better. Eli has been much better. Now he's a good protection behind there, and I just don't buy the Tennessee Titans. I think they're way too inconsistent. And I can see them coming in high off their high horse, coming in, oh, we beat the Jags. We blew them out. We're so good. Try to throw their helmets in the field. Try to beat the Giants. The Giants just, just run away with that game. I think the Giants win by a touchdown. I, I, can, I can see it, you know, but again, I think it goes back to uh, the running back battle because Saquon Barkley is such a beast. And Eli Manning, you're right, the offensive line has been playing great. You know, Eli's getting his throws in there, but he still hasn't, I mean, against the Redskins, he, he threw for 197, so he's not even reaching 200 yards in the air. Um, and again, I think it comes back down to that running back battle. I mean, I, I, I guess, yeah, we're going to go head-to-head, so we'll see what happens. Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, we'll see what happens. All right, pick number three. I'm going to go with the Washington Redskins getting seven and a half points on the road in Jacksonville. I'm taking this one strictly because of the number. The fact that the Jaguars with Cody Kessler as a quarterback, the fact they're getting five and seven and a half points at home, I don't buy it. I don't think they can win that game by more than three or four. So I'm going to take the Redskins with the points. I know that Sanchez isn't bad. I think they can win this game outright. I'll take the Redskins there and take the points. I like the pick. Um, I mean, we saw the hero in Josh Johnson, so this, this could be the uh, the future for this Redskins franchise now that Smith is out of the picture and Sanchez is clearly not the answer. Um, but I, I like the pick. I think it's it's, it's going to be a good game. And Jaguar, I mean, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars is done. So uh, I think the, it's a good pick here. And you know what else funny about this game, too? I'm reading, I, is this the 36 uh, total? I think so, yeah. 
that is the lowest total since December of 2012. So actually, if, if we're going any type of betting here, I, I agree with your pick, but I also kind of want to take the under as well. I mean, 36 is so low, but I don't even know if I'm going to even try to go out for a shootout here at all. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. The reset, the picks. Alex has gone with the Texans laying six and a half at MetLife against against the Jets on Saturday. The Bucks getting seven and a half in Baltimore on Sunday. The Titans plus three at MetLife against the Giants Sunday. I have gone with the Buffalo Bills in a pick'em game against Detroit at home on Sunday. The Giants laying three against the Titans going head to head Alex there. And the Redskins getting seven and a half points in Jacksonville. Those are your picks for week 15 of Show Me the Money. Alex, before you go, I know you're a Met fan. I know you're probably happy up this Cano trade. What do you want to see them do the rest of the offseason? Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm a fan of the Cano trade. I, I like the mentality of, you know, this is our year. It's just a win-now kind of year. Uh, I'm kind of been tired of rebuild this, rebuild that. So it's nice to see them taking moves, and I'm, I'm excited to see what they do next. The only thing I don't want to see them do is I don't want to see them – uh, I know they're saying they're going to have to be blown away by, you know, asking for an extraordinary kind of deal for him. But I, I, I don't want to see them get rid of him. I think what they're doing now is aggressive, you know, offering what they can and, and um, you know, whatever the upside is they can get from him. I, I don't uh, – I'm a little upset to see that Flores is gone. You know, Wilmer was great. I love seeing him, but – to see what they do, they're going to utilize. I think they're going to utilize uh, McNeil in the infield, use him as a utility player. So I'm really excited to see what happens. I just don't want them to lose Syndergaard. I think Syndergaard is one of the biggest things about this team. They're pitching him into Grom. I just don't want to see them lose. As long as they keep him in on their roster, uh, I'll be I'll be a happy Met fan. All right, there you have it, Alex. Thank you for the time. Before you go, I want to let everybody know how to follow you on social media and some of the stuff you're up to. Uh, sure, no problem. I mean, uh, uh, producer at Fantasy Sports Network, so if you want to check any of our shows, check out uh, on Twitter, FNTSY Sports Radio. You can find us on iHeartMedia, YouTube, uh, Ustream, all that fun stuff. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alexander underscore Faz, F-A-Z. Uh, I'm a contributor for Steel, Steel Curtain on uh, Fan Sided, so follow me for all my articles. I do week power rankings for the North, um, so check all that. And uh, you might really appreciate you bringing me on today. No problem. Thanks for the time, man. All right. Take care. All right. Take care. That was Alex Fasano, NFL Picks Week 15. Shelby the Money up next. Our two minute drill. Look down Kyler Murray, two sport athlete, coming up right after this. Quarterback draw all the way. Design draw. Yeah. Why not? Look at him go. You're not going to catch him. That's why Kyler Murray is the best player in college football. All right, and we're back with this week's two-minute drill. That clip you just heard, courtesy of Fox Sports, Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. Kyler Murray, your Heisman Trophy winner. I know this is the first time talking about college football this year, but Kyler Murray's story, very intriguing. Murray, in case you're not aware, quarterback at Oklahoma, this year decided to play college football. He had a choice, though. He was drafted in the first round of June's MLB draft by the Oakland A's. The A's took him ninth overall. They made an agreement with him. He could play college football for one more year, get out of his system, and he would play baseball full-time. At the time, it made sense for him to get out football. He hadn't played a game in Oklahoma yet because he's behind Baker Mayfield. This year, however, he broke out, became one of the best players in the sport. Went out to complete 71% of his passes for 4,053 yards, 40 touchdowns, 7 picks, which is great. 
He also ran for 892 yards and seven touchdowns and guided Oklahoma to a Big 12 title and the college football playoff where they'll be playing Alabama and Heisman runner-up Tua Tagovailoa on December 29th. It's funny because the A's have been very quiet about this. The A's made a deal, guaranteed him $4.6 million in signing bonuses, but in a weak quarterback class where there's not a lot there, Justin Herbert from Oregon might come out, might not, consider the top guy in this group. After that, where are you going? Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State? A lot of questions with him. Will Greer from West Virginia? Same thing. Drew Locke from Missouri? Same idea. Kyler Murray has that athletic ability that if he decided to commit to football right now, give up his baseball career, go into the draft, he could be a first-round pick right now. Mel Kuyper thinks he'll do that. Due to his, just his athletic ability alone in a weak quarterback class. My question is, why should he have to choose? Can he do both? Is it possible? It's not unprecedented. Back in the late 80s, early 90s, two very prominent athletes played both in Major League Baseball and the National Football League. Deion Sanders most famously played for the Falcons and the Atlanta Braves in the early 90s, including playing in a World Series game for the Braves during football season. And Bo Jackson played baseball for the Kansas City Royals and the Chicago White Sox, played football for the Oakland Raiders. It's a different world now, which makes it more complicated. In the early 90s, Dion and Bo did it, but back then there was not as much demand for specialization for the intense off-season workouts, the intense prep, the film study for NFL, for NFL players, the extra time in the cages and the analytics in baseball. That's not there. Now, you are asking Kyler Murray, if he chooses to go down both roads, to put in an insane amount of work to make it happen. And this could be very interesting to watch because, remember, Bo was a running back. Deion Sanders is a defensive back. Kyler Murray is a quarterback, and they have to do an immense amount of prep work to ensure they're ready for the season. Is it possible for one guy to be that good in both sports today? I don't know. This is not the same as baseball where Shohei Otani is a pitcher and a hitter. That's one sport where you can, you're committed to one team and you have one set of time commitments. Imagine being Kyler Murray. Let's say he stays at Oakland, goes to the minor league system, has to go on all those bus rides to, the tr- to like random cities across the country and work his way slowly to the major leagues where if he gets there, he can get himself a guaranteed contract and make a lot more money long-term compared to the NFL where he could go in the draft. Let's say he gets drafted by Jacksonville this year. Now, he gets his money faster. He is the top quarterback. They could say he's a top, like, let's say he's a first-round pick. He gets his signing bonus faster and is guaranteed probably triple what he makes, what he's already guaranteed in baseball from Oakland. Is he going to make it in the NFL? We don't know, but his athletic ability translates very well. And there's also the long-term health risk of playing football. Joe Theismann, NFL, former NFL quarterback who had his career famously ended on a broken leg, tweeted over the weekend that he, Kyler Murray should play baseball. His agent, Scott Boris, has said he's committed to play baseball. I don't know. I don't know what I would do if I was Kyler Murray, but I would be fascinated to see if he can attempt to do both sports. It would be interesting to see how the commitments worked, how the markets he ended up with would be willing to do this. 
And who knows? Maybe he'll get drafted this year. Might not be a first-round pick if he's not fully committed to football, but I could see a savvy team drafting, grabbing his rights late in the draft in case he decides to explore both roads. Because if he can be a game-breaker in the NFL, you make a lot of money. If he becomes a star outfielder in baseball, do his blend of power and speed, he could also make a lot of money. The world is Kyler Murray's oyster, and we're going to find out which way he chooses to go with it. That's going to be a lot of fun over the next few months. And that's going to do it for today's show. I want to thank my guests, Joe D'Aloisio and Alex Fasano, for stopping by to talk NFL football and make picks in this week's edition of Showing the Money. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my chat with Mets Marais Online's Michael Mayer about the Robinson Cano trade and the directions the Mets are going to go in this offseason, be sure to check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes by searching for Just and the Suffering in the podcast store or on Google Play by searching for Just and the Suffering in the Google Play music section. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet at me with hashtag GusBus if you made it to the end of today's show. Be sure you're locked in next week. We have a very special holiday episode coming up for you guys. Got a lot of good stuff planned. Got some stuff recorded already. Going to drop all that next week. Who knows? Maybe I can help you with some holiday shopping if you're not done yet. Maybe you'll get some surprise interviews. We'll find out all that. Of course, you'll get your NFL picks next week as well. Until then, I hope you have a better week than Steelers fans. Yeah.